All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome in to Daily Faceoff Live, your go-to source for everything hockey. Live every weekday at noon Eastern. Happy Friday, hockey fans. Welcome in to Daily Faceoff Live. 30 minutes of hockey talk to push you a little closer to the weekend. As always, we are live on the Oilers or on the Daily Faceoff YouTube. Yeah, haven't made that mistake in a while. The show, as always, is brought to you by Botano. The game starts now at Botano.ca. Big weekend of NFL football, NHL hockey, NBA basketball. They got it all at Botano. Frank Saravalli, happy Friday. Happy Friday. Bring on NFL playoffs. Juicy slate of games Saturday, Sunday, Monday. I mean, and it's a holiday weekend here in the U.S. Got a hockey tournament this weekend. Five games to coach. Let's go. You are. You're living a good life, Frank. Uh, Let's get into things here on the show. We have Stephen Ellis coming up in a little bit with our midseason prospect awards. That's going to be a great segment. But first, let's stay in the NHL and talk a little bit about... fairly significant piece of news from yesterday frank you're gonna have abs gm chris mcfarland on your podcast frankly speaking next wednesday but we got a little bit of a teaser yesterday when he spoke about gabriel landeskog and the possibility of a return let's take a listen this is you know everything has gone well you know knock on wood there's been no you know no sort of glaring hiccups or um you know speed bumps or anything so his his rehab continues but we're you know, we're still, I don't know if early is the right word, Frank, but we're still gathering information and, and every week that goes by, there's sort of another step in terms of the things that he's hopefully gonna, gonna be able to do. But um, nowhere, we're not, we're not close. There's not, you know, it's not like he's, uh, 
you know, we need more information basically, but everything is hopefully positive and we certainly miss them, that's for sure. So I know it's way off in the distance given where you're at in the process, but is is there hope that he can come back and play? Like, is that is that the goal? Well, the goal was, you know, the timeline we were given was, you know, 12 to 16 months. So, you know, 12 months is, you know, at some point after the, uh, the NHL regular season and, and it, you know, I to say it's going to be the, you know, if we're fortunate enough to go in the playoffs and win around, would he be potentially be a player? I, I just don't know. I just don't know. But is that a is that a twinkle in your eye? Maybe that yes. uh, hey, if we go on a deep run, that there yes. is a, a glimmer of hope that this guy could be back. Well, I I think the glimmer the hope is is for Gabe, right? He's he loves hockey. This has been really hard on him. Um, it's it's what he does. It's what he knows. Uh, selfishly, we have you know we have a lot of term left with him. I can't you know Gabe Landeskog is a special player. I, you know I've said that a number of times. We can you know you can maybe you know put that that cap space to use and and find a twenty goal scorer or, or what have you. But the things that Gabe does you know, they're not readily available. The things that he does for our organization on and, and off the ice. And we really, really miss this player. And um, I, I'm just hopeful for him uh, that he can that he can continue his career, whether it's, we're fortunate enough it's the springtime or um, if it's if it's next September at training camp or or whatever. That That's the number one thing. I want to see him back on the ice. Gabe Landeskog was on the ice a little bit, skating around yesterday, obviously a long ways away from playing, Frank, but you said it, a glimmer of hope potentially for Avs fans when it comes to their captain. I mean, how huge of a story would this be? This is the second consecutive full season that he hasn't played. So park your nonsense if you're out there as a hater saying, oh, well, of course they're going to abuse the salary cap here and have him come back in the playoffs when there is no cap. Maybe that, that, that argument might work if you had your surgery, you know, not that long ago and you just sat out this season, but two full years, no one's gaming the cap that hard to try and plan out a 2024 return. This is a mostly unprecedented surgery for an NHL player. We're talking about knee cartilage replacement, a big, big deal. The abs were told on their timeline, 12 to 16 months. He had the surgery last May after already sitting out for an entire year. 12 months brings us to May. It's on the early end, but the fact that he was back on the ice with the Colorado Avalanche yesterday, making this a newsworthy development, and the fact that in a number of weeks from now, uh, Chris McFarland also revealed in the pod, you didn't see it in the clip, that he'll be going on the road with the Avs. So, look, this is ramping up, and this could be a pretty tasty storyline. And even just the personal side of it, like you heard Chris McFarland say, Gabe Landeskog loves hockey. He's that team's captain. I would imagine just the mental relief or the mental boost for him to be able to go on the road trip with his teammates again. That must just feel awesome. Yeah, that and I think the last glimpse we saw of him on camera was at Eric Johnson's night back in uh, in Denver. And, you know, you could tell he was holding up a sign or I think his kids were saying, EJ, we miss you. I think the rest of the abs were thinking the same thing about Landeskog. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so we'll see. I mean, if the Avs get a better sense, maybe closer to the trade deadline that they could get their captain back at some point over the playoff run, maybe that pushes Chris McFarland to use a few more future assets to try really load up that hockey team. Frank, not the only injury news we got. Um, granted, the Landeskog thing is positive injury news. Last night in the NHL, a ton of players going down around the league. It was a tough Thursday. Shifley, Kachetkov, Gibson, Forsberg, 
Chernak and Riley Smith all leaving the game with injuries. I'll just ask you out of this list, which one is the most significant? Well, they're all significant. I mean, look, Mark Shifley going down. We don't have any indication yet of uh, the severity of most of these injuries, by the way. Uh, you know, a couple of those goalies going down in the same game, which was wild to watch. But for me, the one that really stands out is Pyotr Kochetkov from the Carolina Hurricanes. We know how much they've struggled with goaltending. Look at this injury here. He gets uh, an opponent tossed into him by his own teammate, and he needs some help leaving the ice. Is this a, you know, overextension of the body? Is this a concussion type thing? I don't know what it is, but the facts are this. Over the last month, Pyotr Kochetkov going back to December 12th, 7-1 and 2 with a 931 save percentage. So he started the year super rough when he got called up. Freddie Anderson is still working his way back. Antti Ranta was basically on the Ilya Brzezgalov train lost in the wilderness. He had to go down to the AHL. The Canes need goaltending, and they had gotten a stabilizing force from Kochetkov. Not a coincidence to me that... He plays well. All of a sudden, their season starts to trend up, and they're in second place in the Metro, challenging the Rangers again. Now? Now what? Let's see. This is a pretty big development. And with Mark Shifley, if, if we want to pick on another one here for a second, that's the second straight game he's had to leave. Took a puck up high a few nights ago, and now you have this injury where he was just heading down the ice, and I don't want to call it a non-contact injury because you never know when he could have tweaked something, but he's coming up the ice, then all of a sudden kind of pulls up all weird. So a little concerning yeah. for a team that's red hot. Yeah, I would say, you know, the first part, he took that that puck to the head, puts on the ear protection, um, and you're thinking, okay, that's going to solve that. And then this lower body thing is certainly probably a bit concerning. So it was a weird one, but you could tell he's one of those guys that has, you know, a real good sense of his body and what's going on that something wasn't right. Yeah, uh, let's head out east, Frank, and talk a little bit about some trade deadline possibilities. Hey, I mean, the injury list, there were a lot of goalies on there. We already know the goalie market's thin. If you all of a sudden add two or three more teams looking for help between the pipes, it could get really busy in a hurry. Uh, but out east, Frank, we got our story up at dailyfaceoff.com. It is the Eastern Conference team-by-team -team trade deadline objectives. And it's a part of our series where we're breaking down the uh, the deadline kind of every day leading up to the March 8th uh, day. But Frank, these are the buyers. And I think this is a really interesting list because Boston, clear cut. They need a first line center. New Jersey, get a blue line help. Florida, add depth. The Rangers, third line center. Toronto needs multiple defenders. Everyone on here kind of has a clear cut objective, except for Carolina. That's just find the value. What, what's your sense on what the Canes could want to get up to at the deadline? Okay, so find your value. What exactly does that mean? Well, Take a look back at their trade deadline playbook over the last few years. I mean, last year was maybe a little bit different because they really had their sights set on Timo Meyer. I actually think that they ended up offering the best package and they he opted the San Jose Sharks opted to go send him to New Jersey. We'll see how that plays out in the number of years. But once they didn't land Meyer, they had a check down in place where they went after Shane Gostas Bear. And so Really what the Carolina Hurricanes are really good at, you, you know, you're thinking last year, this this uh, this group that has unreal defensemen, why would they go out and add one? Basically what they do in their front office is they look through and try and find market inefficiencies. Where is someone that we feel like has more value to us than what's been shown on the market? Or where do we think we see someone as more valuable than perhaps his own team looks at him? And I think, 
it doesn't really matter whether it's forward defense or goaltending. I mean, I think we can all look at the goalie situation with the injuries that they've had over the last few years and say it would really help if they got another one. But when I say find the value is I think they could add at any position, even on their still stacked blue line. If the price is right, I just don't see them being a big spender, especially in a year when not a lot of it really makes sense uh, for them. There's no kind of clear cut target that that's what they're going to do is try and continue to add on the margins without spending big. Cause it goes back to what Tom Dundon said on an episode of frankly speaking, their owner, he's like, I, I don't want to go all in in any one year. He thinks that the Stanley cup playoffs are four rounds of seven game coin flips. So he thinks so much of it is luck based that whether you break through or not, isn't really a referendum on your team or your year. It's just that I want to have 15 chances to win over 15 years instead of just, you know, cutting off years six, seven, and eight to have a really good run right now. One other buyer I wanted to ask you about was the New Jersey Devils because out of that group that we have, and I mean, I'm, I'm excluding the Islanders from it because as you love to say, and you said it in the piece, only God and Lou know what the Islanders are going to get up to ahead of the deadline. But the Devils are interesting because they're the lowest on the standings of this group. And they made a big splash last year. And they made a big splash in the offseason getting Tyler Toffoli. Like, they're kind of running thin on assets. And you could also argue, out of this list here, they might be the, the least complete team. Well, they're certainly the least complete blue line of this group. That's, I mean, the, the Maple Leafs might give them a bit of a run for the money. But even then... They have someone like Morgan Riley anchoring their group right now that New Jersey doesn't have. They're led by their two youngest guys in Luke Hughes and Simone Nemich. And, you know, I, I look at this group and I say, we haven't properly realized how in tough the Devils have been all year long. Has their goaltending 32nd in the league helped them out? No, it hasn't. But is it a chicken and the egg argument, given that you said goodbye to Ryan Graves, said goodbye to Damon Severson. Dougie Hamilton goes down with a torn pec muscle out for the season, and then you, you lose Jonas Siegenthaler. I mean, how many teams in the league can withstand losing four of their top six defensemen in any one-year span? The answer is no one, and I don't care how good Jack Hughes is, who, by the way, you know the injuries continue to pile up for him. It's it's certainly concerning with where the Devils are at right now. How aggressive will they be given that this is a lot to fill at one time, but they do have the Dougie Hamilton LTIR money to go out and spend if they want to. Again, my question is how aggressive will they be? I wonder if there's maybe a name out there who is just going to be too expensive for other buyers, other true cup contenders that the Devils can swoop in and, without giving up a first or second round pick, grab someone who makes four or five million bucks and say, hey, we'll actually take their full salary on for you, but we only got a third round pick to give you. I wonder if maybe there's some sort of a deal like that out there, but it's tough this time of year. It is because then you're also probably looking at pending UFAs because you still need to be cap compliant next year and Dougie Hamilton's back. So it's a tough dynamic. I, I think it's it's one of those years where they have a real question to ask themselves. Is this just not our year? Yeah. Uh, similar to that kind of line of thinking, is this our year? The next section down in the article is hold the line. And people who are watching might be going, hey, you rattled off all the buyers. Where the hell are the Tampa Bay Lightning? Where are the Pittsburgh Penguins? What's Kyle Dubas going to get up to? And the reality is neither of those teams are in a playoff spot if you sort by points percentage right now. Let's start with the Penguins, Frank. I mean, 
you don't go out and keep the core together and go acquire Eric Carlson just to sit on your hands or possibly sell off at the deadline. Like that doesn't make sense to me, but also they don't have picks. They don't have cap space. They don't have a lot of prospects. Like I don't know what the penguins could do, even if they wanted to. I don't even know why it would make sense to throw good money after bad. I think the big thing that it comes down to is, are we in a playoff spot or are we within striking distance and if they're close, two points back, three points back, whatever the number is when it comes to, I don't know, call it March 1st, a week ahead of the March 8th trade deadline, really the question they have to ask themselves is, Jake Gensel, what are we doing here? I don't think it makes any sense for them to re-sign him, like zero. Even if you think that, you know, Jake Gensel, elite, you know, point-producing winger is a great player, like it's without question, why would you be signing him to a long-term deal when you know that, especially for a team that has a chance to miss the playoffs for a second straight spring, you, you, you want to sign him to a seven or eight year deal to be the best player on the worst team in the league for that stretch? Like that doesn't really make a lot of sense, but at the same time, given the commitment that they've made to this core, bringing in Eric Carlson, you want to give them all the runway that you can to have a chance to make it and not cut the legs out from under them. So Maybe they have to just, you know, sort of grin and bear it and and realize that the possibility might be that Gensel ends up walking for nothing. Or if they're much further out of it, if they're six points out or whatever it might be, and it seems kind of unlikely that they're going to get their act together, then I think you have to make the tough decision at that moment in time and use, you know, the haul that you get in return for Gensel, who would shoot to the top of our trade targets board to really begin to jumpstart what's going to be a long and arduous rebuild. Quickly, before we get to Stephen Ellis, the Tampa Bay Lightning, been a really weird season so far for them. No first-round pick the next two years, no second-rounder this year, not a lot of cap space. Julian Breezeball in that Lightning front office, they've always been big fans of going and making the deadline move that helps for multiple seasons. Nick Paul, uh, Brandon Hagel as well, Tanner Janot. But this year, Frank, I, I don't know if they have the assets or the cap space to even make a move like that. And I think the big question is, do they think it's prudent to go out and do that? I mean, you're right. They've been super aggressive. I'm wondering, will they be super aggressive the other way? I just don't know if you were to pick a couple pieces from this team and try and trade them at this deadline. Does that make any sense either? And that's kind of why I put them in the hold the line category. They need to wait until as long as possible to really get a, a, a true sense of where this team is at before they make any decisions. Because I, I personally think that they've underachieved this year in a pretty significant way. As good as, uh, as Kucherov has been, um, you know, let's see what's happening here in terms of, you know, where this team fits in the grand scheme of the Eastern conference picture. There you go. A uh, full story up at dailyfaceoff.com as Frank breaks down every team around the league. Let's continue our show and get to the big segment for the day. It's the next wave with Stephen Ellis. The next wave is delivered by DoorDash, where for a limited time, our Canadian listeners can get 25% off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more. All you need to do is download the DoorDash app and use the promo code NATION25. Stephen Ellis joins us for the Midseason Awards. Stephen, I had to suit up 
We're doing an award show. I got, I got to dress and look the part here. If I'm hosting Stephen Ellis's mid-season awards, that crashing noise was definitely not on my end as I tried to do this during the ad read. But Stephen, let's go through. We got four categories we're giving out awards for. Let's start with the best dressed. No, it's the best forward. Uh, who is the best forward prospect in hockey at the mid-season point? Well, I can't say if I've seen Logan Stankoven, like what type of suits he likes to wear, but he's the best forward here for sure. 39 points in 31 games here as a pro rookie, which is you know very difficult to be able to do that. Those numbers are incredible. He's second in scoring. Lots of good chemistry with Maverick Bork, uh, another good Dallas Stars prospect. Uh, with Stankoven, he's doing kind of a bit of everything. He's scoring at five on five. He's scoring on the power play. He, he's only got like four penalty minutes, but he plays off an edge, which, you know, at five foot seven is still pretty impressive. He's shooting at 16%. So it was looking good there. And just, I've watched him play the first couple games of the season. And I watched him a couple games recently where he just looks so much more confident and confidence goes such a long way for a 20 year old, 21 year old trying to break into the AHL because it's not an easy league. You got guys there that are career AHLers that are looking to do whatever it takes to make sure you don't go that far and, and can make life miserable. But that hasn't really slowed him down there so he could play center he can play wing he can do all that i'm very excited he's one of the few small guys that i think can really make an impact in the nhl man the dallas stars just do such a good job hitting on their picks jim nill and his staff a, a masterful job year in and year out they've got you know a small bit of cap space they still have their first round pick this year like and all the prospects that they have in their system they're in such an enviable position when it comes to the deadline compared to how many teams tyler do we just talk about don't have first round picks. And more than that, don't even really have prospects that people like that this man, the stars are in a great spot. So I just to put a bow on the forward position, Steven, where would you have had Cutter Gauthier rank? Oh, well, uh, quite high. Uh, him, obviously, he's been a hot topic. And he was originally the guy I was going to put here, especially the World Juniors. I'm putting him, uh, I think I had him as my third option. Okay. Give me your best defensive prospect so far. 
I'm going with Denton Matejchuk, the Columbus Blue Jackets prospect. Not only did he impress a Blue Jackets camp, like so much so that talking to, to people who were there and saying like, this guy probably could have made a run at, at playing on this team, but he had a 23 game point streak before it finally ended in his final game, heading to the world junior camp with Canada. He was great there. Um, was probably one of the few Canadian defensemen that just consistently every night was looking good. He was playing 25, 26 minutes a night. Uh, and then he just came back to the WHL and had another two point night. So this guy knows how to produce and, uh, he's just so smart with the puck. He's one of the best puck handlers uh, among any defensive prospect uh, you look at right now. And I'm not, I will not be surprised if he's on the roster for opening night for the Blue Jackets next year. Obviously, the Blue Jackets have a lot of good young prospects, and they got to find the room to make that work. But I think Matejchuk's just, he's special. He's really the only bright spot for the Columbus Blue Jackets this season, and he's not even playing in Columbus. So Denton Matejchuk is a stud. Give me your best goalie prospect right now. I'm going Dustin Wolf. You know, he had a bit of a rocky run in the NHL with the Calgary Flames, but I'm not worried in the slightest. He's off to the AHL All-Star game, and for good reason. He's got a 16-5-1 record. Uh, you can look at the save percentage there. He's got four shutouts. He's likely going to break his seven shutout run he had last year. Best goalie in the AHL for the third year running. I We can award him that now. We don't even need any other contenders. This guy is unbelievable. And I still can't believe he fell in the seventh round. I, if you go back in my tweet history, you'll see me over and over again, every single round. Dustin Wolf still available. Someone please pick him. This guy is going to be so good. He continues to dominate every level he plays. He should be in Calgary. It's a bit of a log gym there, but when he's there, I'm. You're going to see what, how good he is. He he is in Calgary. He just plays for the Wranglers. That's the wrong all. team. Yes. Um. You know, it's it's funny that you said that. You know, Tyler, we joke all the time that no one watches more hockey than Stephen Ellis. As much as we love having you, I'm just waiting for an NHL team to swoop in and hire you because you're a machine. Yeah, well, you know, come calling, I guess. <laughs> so, you you should have just said like, "Hey, why don't you give me a raise and I'll stay." Yeah, well, <laughs> that too. Yeah, that too. Okay. On the air, let's do it. Uh, even I joked about best dressed off the jump, and I, spoiler alert: I know your answer for this next one. Not only could he win most improved, he could also probably win best dressed. Yeah, and that's Isaac Howard, a guy last year who I think a lot of people, myself included, were just wondering, like, well, what's the deal here? He played at the University of Minnesota Duluth, just did not look comfortable for a guy that put up over 30 goals the year before that, the U.S. National Development Team, having him score six goals in 35 games was disappointing. But now he is an incredible part of the Michigan State University uh, lineup. He was part of that transfer portal. I know there's a lot of controversy about guys doing that, but he's already got six or five goals this year. He's going to pass that total very soon. And then we saw that World Juniors where he could not be stopped. He got better every single game. He was only playing like 12 minutes a night the first few games, but that game against Switzerland, he scored two goals. All of a sudden, that line with uh, with Got, got him pushed up, I believe it was with him and Frankie Nazar, and he just couldn't be stopped. So you see that gold medal game, he goes out there and gets two goals on three shots. Just He knows how to shoot. He knows what to do one-on-one. -on -one, he's one of the hardest players to, to defend against. So as a coward, I'm happy to see him having a good year because watching him play at the U.S. Uh, U18 team, it, it was only a matter of time until it happened. Yeah, Howard's been a great story. I'm going to put you on the spot here. Is there someone that you you didn't have on your radar to even be in this conversation this year that has you know kind of really surprised you oh you know i, I want to go i'm probably going to stick in the ncaa and i'm going to go with massimo rizzo who's the philadelphia flyers prospect he's first in scoring uh last i checked and he's someone where with him I got to watch him a lot in junior A. I got to kind of see what he was able to do. And I thought he had a lot of talent, but wasn't the smartest player. And now I feel like he's a much more well-rounded player, a seventh round pick. 
Uh, I know the University of Denver was going to be good. Jack Devine's another good player, but I did not expect Rizzo to be as dominant of a playmaker as he is. He's playing all situations, blocks shots, plays in the penalty kill. Uh, the Flyers have a good one there. So why do you think the Hurricanes were so ready and willing to move him? That's the one question mark I kept coming back to as this sort of Tony D'Angelo saga went back and forth last summer between the Canes and Flyers. I wonder if he's a guy not all that dissimilar to Cutter Gauthier that just maybe wasn't going to sign in Carolina or they just didn't have room for him or what? It, from my understanding, it sounded like he just didn't see a really good pathway for him to potentially get into like that into the the top six and play a more consistent role. I guess the Hurricanes have a I don't know if Philadelphia was the, the best choice in that case because they have a very good prospect pool, but obviously now it's looking a little lighter and he'll have a better chance. So I, I guess he just looked at this and saying, like, I, when I'm ready to turn pro, I could step in and be in there immediately as the Flyers are still in a grow as opposed to the Hurricanes, which were already in contention. The next wave is delivered by DoorDash. It is cold in a lot of places this weekend. It's sweater weather or parka weather if you're in Western Canada. You don't want to cook. Let DoorDash bring dinner to you. Restaurants are more delivered right to your door. Stephen Ellis, fantastic stuff. Thanks for doing this. My draft rankings are out next week. Hey, there you go. Let's go. managed to rip off uh, the suit coat in just enough time for our daily face-off hashtag. It would take, it would take me a lot longer to do that. Yeah. Uh, it's brought to you by Tourism Jasper. Frank, seven days from now, you and I are heading out to the Rockies, to the Fairmont JPL with our friends at Tourism Jasper for the Pond Hockey Tournament. If you want more info, chehockey.com. Uh, Frank, we got a couple here in the chat. The first one came in from Sergeant Battle, who said, of the Oilers, Panthers, Jets, and Kraken, who goes on the longest winning streak? Did he have the Panthers in there? Yeah. Ooh. I'm going to say Panthers. That's my squad. Yeah, that's probably a decent one. Edmonton has Montreal on Saturday as they go for 10 straight, but then they get Seattle and Toronto. Toronto, then Seattle on home ice later next week. So, so one of those uh, is guaranteed to end then. Yeah, one of them is guaranteed to end. Florida's probably a good one. Let me ask you a quick follow-up. Out of those four teams that are all on crazy long heaters and extended them all last night, which ones maybe proven you the most over that streak and maybe changed your mind on them? Probably the Oilers. I mean, look, it, it was one thing to have a great streak when Chris Knobloch first took over, but the way that they kind of teetered on the edge there right before the holidays, I, I you know, I think they were on a three-game losing streak heading into the game that Connor Brown was scratched in New Jersey, and I was saying, man. They got to figure it out. Like, which way are they going here? And I think they closed out that trip with two wins, uh, Rangers and Devils back to back to head into the holidays. And then it was like, hey, they're off to the races again. So that team, I think, hit a bit of a speed bump after really flying high. And now they're back there again. And by the way, like, it's been really surprising watching the LA Kings lose seven straight. That part has really thrown me through a loop on the other yeah. end of this. Uh, it's Friday, so we can mix in one more here from the YouTube chat. Scott Bay is in and says, what is more important for the Canucks to address at the deadline, a top six winger or another defenseman, even after they got Zadorov? Well, I've been thinking all along, and this is just my personal opinion, that I think they need one more defender because I think with the injuries and the way they've gone, they've been mostly healthy for the most part, but sometimes they've had to kind of dip back into that fringe NHL or category depth-wise, and that would really make me nervous heading into the playoffs for 
you know, the Canucks who Jim Rutherford, their president acknowledged again today, we kind of need everything to go right for us in order to get where we're going. He said today in a piece with Pierre Lebrun on the athletic that they need a top six uh, forward. So another top six winger to go in the mix. That's what they're looking for. Uh, man, be really nice if Andre Kuzmenko was just that guy, wouldn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And quickly, Frank, I saw you retweeted it or you tweeted it. Uh, the Blackhawks announced a two-year extension for Nick Felino, $4.5 million cap it. When he signed that first contract with the Hawks, I was kind of like, they just paying him to come in and be a good guy. But not only has he been a great guy, he's also been productive with eight goals already on the year. So the extension kind of lines up a little rich, but it makes sense. Uh, no one loves the salary cap more than Nick uh, salary cap floor more than Nick Felino. I mean, this is a massive number for a guy that look, I love Nick Felino. He's played well this season, but he's 36. This deal takes him to 39. Like I, yeah, sorry. No, like different presence. <laughs> yeah, no. And like, it's not going to kill them because they have to get to the cap floor, but it's a lot of money for a guy that I think has really, you know, go back a few years, like that, that year that he went to Toronto at the trade deadline, like it was kind of trending in the wrong direction for him then. Yeah. I just, <laughs> the other thing that makes just, me laugh, who are you negotiating? Worry about his back. Well, like go yeah. back and, and watch, like he just, it looked like it exploded at, uh, at a certain point. I mean, the Chicago Blackhawks just paid for his great, great grandkids to go to college. So congratulations to Nick Felino. All right, let's move along to our Botano Daily Bets for the weekend, the 2023 EGR brand of the year. And Frank, I got a little shot prop for tonight. It's a small slate in the NHL. I'm calling this Old Reliable because Brock Faber and Ryan O'Reilly have been coming through for me a lot over the last little bit. Brock Faber has hit this mark in six consecutive games. He's actually gone three plus in four of those six games. Ryan O'Reilly coming off three shots against Anaheim has hit this mark in four of five. So you parlay that together and you get it at a nice little plus 140. I also have a little everyone on the show's happy NFL parlay. Bills to cover. Cowboys for our boy Gavin, the producer, and your Eagles, Frank. What do you think? Plus 647? We all walk out of the weekend with smiles on our face? Mm, I would be way more interested in a teaser given all the points that are on the line. Um... Eagles minus three and a half makes no, I know Baker Mayfield's hurt. It makes no sense to me. I cannot, um, I cannot make sense of that. So I no, I'm sorry. I'm out. I'm never going to root for the Dallas Cowboys. End it right there. Sorry, Gavin, our producer, no chance. Uh, and I'm rooting for an Eagles home game, by the way, Rams win Packers win Eagles win Eagles get a home game. Yes. You're uh, rocking the Eagles sweater there with the little Kelly green helmet. So I had to mix in some NFL talk, Frank. Uh, let's move along to our garbage time. It's brought to you by Wendy's and the daily face-off survivor pool. I stayed alive, actually. I'm going into the weekend here, and I got a shot to go four for four. So that is certainly exciting. You can head to dailyfaceoffsurvivor.com to get your picks in or already register for next week. You can also this weekend head to Wendy's and try the bacon portobello mushroom melt. It is back and only for a limited time. Uh, Frank, today on Garbage Time, a really sad day in the Edmonton media community yesterday with the passing of John Short, who is the grandfather of sports talk radio in this city. And then also for us at Oilers Nation and the Nation Network as we lost one of our own in Robin Brownlee, who passed away after suffering a heart attack on Thursday morning. Um, just a, a real gut-wrenching day. Uh, for us at Oilers Nation, Brownlee was a beloved teammate. He was a hell of a sports writer. His stories about covering the Oilers back in the day would always bring a smile to my face. And he was a 
unbelievable dad to his boy, Sam. So um, just a really sad day for us. And obviously our condolences to Robin's family as uh, we all mourn the loss of one of the best to do it in Edmonton. It's so eerie just going back to look at Robin Brownlee's Twitter account yesterday. At the very top of it is a tweet in which he had an interaction with Mr. Short as well. And both those guys end up passing on the same day. You can't even make sense of it. So uh, as you said, sending our best to uh, both the Short and Brownlee families. Uh, Robin gone way too soon at 65. Yeah, so our condolences to them heading into the weekend, ending the shows on a bit of a somber note. Thank you to everyone who tuned in this week to Daily Faceoff Live. We'll be back Monday at noon Eastern. Have a good weekend. Thanks for tuning in to Daily Faceoff Live. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to never miss an episode. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.